Hey guys, Eric Radvon here. Uh, we're doing part two of this series of videos I call Comic Book Inspirations. And I'm just taking a look back at the different comics and stories over the years that have um, kind of played a seminal role in, uh, in, in my history with comics. And whether it's uh, a story that I revisit um, often for inspiration or something that just hit me at the, the right place in the right time and, and, and sparked a passion that's been lifelong. So um, today's topic is, uh, it's a book that I would say is um, misunderstood, misappreciated. Um, there's, there's people who love it. There's people who hate it. I think there's a lot of, again, um, unfair, criticisms and misunderstandings about it, but let's just jump right into it here. Talking about X-Force, X-Force number one. Um, so let me set the stage for you here. So first of all, I've got about a million copies of this book. This is the one that was most readily accessible to me. It's one of these uh, packs that they used to put together. You would find these at like, you know, like a, like a department store or something. Um, and this is a bundle with a, a, a bunch of issues in it, but X-Force number one featured prominently there. So uh, take a gander at this. You got you got a lot of the, the 90s happening right here. You've got, it's polybagged. Uh, it includes a trading card. Uh, card business was booming. Uh, comics were booming. This collectible thing was going on big time. So this is sort of the, to me, this is like the number one emblem of 90s comics. Um, uh, kind of across the board. Let me let me set some context here. It's uh, July 1991. I'm turning 10 years old. Um, we're going to the movies. My family had relocated from New England to Orlando, uh, Florida. So I'm in Orlando. It's the early 90s. Florida is like kind of like this this boom town. Uh, Orlando is like this boom town type of thing. So like new houses going up all over the place. At the same time, the comic industry is booming. So you've got uh, you know new comic shops popping up all, all over. You've got this like crazy speculator market happening. Uh, comics and uh, trading cards and sports cards all have this like enormous explosion. Um, companies making millions of dollars, hands over fist, records being smashed. It was like this just really odd, um, exciting time. So uh, for my birthday, I had asked to go see. Um, Terminator 2, which was coming out. And I was like, so excited to see this movie. Um, so I, I believe it was opening day or the day after it was my birth. It was July 3rd, 1991. So whenever that was, we go to see Terminator 2. And um, I'm super excited. Like I've been seeing all the trailers and stuff on TV. And this thing just looked like the most incredible movie ever made kind of was at that time. So we go to see Terminator 2. We sit down in the movie theater and um, right in front of us, there's like this guy um, and like his mom or something, but this dude was like older, like teenager or something, or maybe in his twenties. I don't know, but, uh, but he's got a copy of X-Force number one and he's flipping through it prior to the movie. Like the lights haven't gone down yet. People are just getting their seats. He's like flipping through this thing. And I had, um, I had been reading comics. I had been collecting comics. Uh, you know, I had the X-Men on my radar uh, we went through this process of moving. So, you know, it's kind of like unsettled, um, hadn't really gotten back into my routine. I was making new friends and all of that stuff. Um, 
my old neighborhood in Massachusetts, uh, the people who write comics were like these older kids in the neighborhood that like listened to heavy metal. They had like jean jackets with patches on it and some of them like smoked cigarettes and stuff. And then they also read like Thor. It was like, it was like this whole package deal thing. So that's where I was like, well, yeah, comics are awesome uh, coming from that kind of thing. Um, and I had inherited some from them and got my own from, you know, trips to the pharmacy and stuff. Um, I don't think I had ever really set foot into a comic book shop. Not that I can remember prior to this day. Um, but yeah, I had, you know, comic books on my mind. I think I, maybe there was a lull there between what I was doing back in Massachusetts versus, um, you know, my kind of like new setup in Orlando, just trying to find my sea legs there, completely different environment and culture and everything else. Um, so anyways, I see this, like, this guy flipping through X-Force and I like jump out of my seat and my mom was like so mortified and I was like hey mister where'd you get that um like just plopping myself between the the seats and leaning forward and being like holy crap what is this where did you get this and the guy was all like too cool for school but he was just like comic shop next door kid like all like bothered my mom was like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and and uh, whatever but I had like no shame in that moment for some reason. I'm normally a pretty shy kid, but uh, I was just like, I got to know, I have to know. And, you know, again, this is like, you know, pre, pre-smartphone by a long shot. Um, so this like, I don't know, access to inf- information was not so readily available. Um, so I felt like I had to get it right then and there in that moment, I did. Lights go down, Terminator 2 plays, incredible film. Um, like completely blows me away uh just like you know the the special effects and the you know the iconic acting by um you know by uh Schwarzenegger and the entire cast and it's just like this was like a pretty crazy day pop culture wise for me there's like an alchemy that occurred on this very specific day of my 10th birthday see Terminator 2 I see a guy reading X-Force number one in front of me um, so I asked my mom, I'm like, can we please go to this comic store? This guy was talking about, please, please, please. She, so she takes me in there and, um, it's this comic store in Orlando called comics, etc. So the, this plaza was like this outdoor plaza thing. There was a movie theater nestled in a corner on one side of it was this comic store and the other side was a video game store. So this is like a pop culture nexus for, for me and as you know, 10 year old, uh, kid into this stuff. It was like, I had discovered, you know, Shangri-La or something. So my mom takes me to this comic store called Comics, Comics, etc. Um, and there's this, I, I wish I remembered her name. Um, maybe somebody out there who, if you lived in Orlando in the early 90s and you shopped at Comics, etc., maybe you can fill in some details here. Uh, that would be pretty cool. Um, but there was this matronly sort of lady who owned the store and operated it. And I went in there and she, I was just like, I saw (laughs) X-Force, show me X-Force. And so she just like kind of took me under her wing. I was like, here you go. And like, oh, so you really like comics? And I was like, yeah. She was like, where do you get them? And I'm just like, oh, you know, yard sales or whatever, you know, wherever I can, grocery store. And she was like, oh, well, we can get you comics here. So she gave me this like form to fill out a subscription box. And I was just like, oh, Um, and and, uh, so I, I got to, I got X-Force, I got a couple other things, um, 
I think she, I think she was saying like X Men is coming. Did you know there's a relaunch of X Men coming with Jim Lee? And it's like this number one thing you're gonna want want to get that. So I was like literally left there like mind blown. I had this whole thing like now I have a subscription box like this place exists. It's a store that just sells comic books. Are you kidding me? This is crazy. Uh, so all of this happened like you know within the span of a few hours. You know, you could, uh, it was just you know, to go see a movie and I kind of walked out of it and like, it's one of those things where you just feel like your life takes a certain bend uh, in that moment. Um, so comics, etc., was my comic shop for like years for like, you know, at least two or three years, I think. Um, again, it was uh, Florida, Boomtown. There were tons of comic stores opening and closing. There were these old comic stores that I feel like were from that first wave of the direct market. Um, so they kind of had this like 70s, 80s vibe. You walk in there, it was very musty and a lot of uh you know star trek and planet of the apes stuff and everything and then you had this kind of new wave of comic stores like comics etc i think was was a nice balance but it was more towards that newer side where um it was clean it was nice the staff was nice um they had like really great products they had, like cool posters and cards and you know they really tapped into like the energy of of these like exciting comic events that were happening so x-force number one being chief among them so, um, so yeah, for me, that was a pretty seminal day. Uh, you know, it's 1991, 10, uh, James Cameron uh, blows my mind with this sort of, uh, you know, rock and roll robot action movie um, in Terminator 2. Um, probably the best sequel ever, right? I don't know. I know Godfather people are going to chime in, but I don't know. Um, for me, T2 is pretty awesome to this day. Uh, but then, yeah, X Force. So, what do, what do you think of when you hear X Force number one? Oh, Rob Liefeld, he can't draw feet. Uh -huh. Dude, there's like so much more going on here than that. So much more. And this is what I mean when, when you look at these like classics or things that have a label on it. Like, use your own eyes for sure. And that, that includes me. Like, you know, you know, don't don't take my word for it. Like, use your own eyes. Maybe you do flip through it and you're like, yeah, this guy really can't draw feet. Pass. But for me, there's so much more going on here. First of all, as a kid, at first glance this felt like my um, entry point into the mutant thing. Um, you know, the X-Men was like so convoluted and so rich with history that you were plopped into it. Like I entered into reading the X-Men in the late eighties when like they lived in the Australian outback, there was so much stuff that had happened before that it was like a research project, each issue to kind of go back and talk to people or find old issues or try to piece together this like incredibly complex soap opera thing. It was super awesome and super compelling, but it's like, you felt like a minnow in a big, in a big pond um with x-force this felt like this is kind of like my moment right for for 10 year old me um like this is us making the entry point into the into the annals of history here uh first and foremost uh you know the art rob liefeld's art um you know i there's a sort of dynamic energy i think that happens in waves, you look at like what Neil Adams brought to the table in the in the 70s. Um, you look at uh, what Frank Miller did in, in, in the 80s. And then I think Rob Liefeld is that guy for the 90s. Um, there's just this sort of like somebody who comes along and there's a million great comic artists in a million different ways. But I think there's that person that comes along and they just like, it's like they pro provide another dimension into the artwork. And I think uh, Rob Liefeld did that. It, it, it's a combination of things. I think it's the energy, um, it's the styling, it's the 
it's the look and the feel, but you know, folks will say, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's pouches, it's bad feed. It's all this stuff. But, uh, you know, as a, as a kid, I was reading it just for that exciting in the moment. It was just the right time, right place for me. I was like, this is my X book. This is amazing. You know, this, this is, um, this is new. This is hot. This is all that. And I wasn't alone, right? Like millions of people bought this stuff. Um, as I've gotten older with it, I've looked back on it, you know, uh, it, I never quite really fed into that, like, this was bad, or these are bad comics, because you know what, X-Force number one got me into the comic store, got me to start a subscription box, and from that, I discovered an entire world of stuff, um, whether it was like, you know, I started dipping into Doctor Strange comics, I started, you know, that's where, that same comic store is where I discovered Bone, that same comic store is where I discovered, you know, Vertigo books, Sandman, um, all kinds of other stuff stems from that. So I, I, I personally could never feel like this thing was bad because this literally like, it was like fate came and grabbed me by the collar and dragged me into the comic store. And it, X-Force number one was the, was the active ingredient in all that happening. So for me, there's nothing but love for that. Um, from a pure product standpoint, looking at the story, looking at the art, looking at everything now, I think it's still awesome. Not going to lie. I think it's still pretty great. Um, you look at the kind of Jack Kirby uh, style of storytelling uh, with that energy, that ceaseless amount of imagination being put on the page, something new happening all the time, new characters, new situations, new mystery, new twists, um, all being done on this like train going a hundred miles an hour uh, in terms of action and adventure, uh, to me, that's what Rob Liefeld was bringing to the table here. And it was consciously so, I mean, like, you know, these, these guys, the image founders, they just like had nothing but love for Jack Kirby. And it really shows, I mean, these, these guys were bringing the next generation of, um, of that kind of storytelling to the fore. So I think it's ironic to me, you see a lot of folks who have like, rightly so put Kirby on this kind of like, uh, pedestal, but then, you know, folks who, who, um, who, who I think channel his energy the most, um, they'll malign them in the same breath. So it's just one of those things. I mean, people like to um, have easy and clear cut answers to things, I guess. And, and again, I think it's like with a lot of these uh, classics or whatever things that have um, things that have like uh, um, labels that have really been affixed to them. Um, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of nuance lost there. And uh, so I think if you look at the exciting work of Rob Liefeld, you find that um, it comes from a place of pure love for comics and the comic medium. So there's, you know, there's, there's obviously the, the Jack Kirby energy, but he's also doing a, a kind of like, um, like a, like a Neo John Byrne kind of thing too. Um, specifically with the plotting of the book and, and some of the elements that are being put together in terms of tying X-Force into some deep X-Men lore and stuff um, in, in new and exciting ways. So I think there's a lot going on there. Again, I, I'm going to do a video about Frank Miller. One of the things that on Frank Miller and Dark Knight Return is like that, like that there's this idea it's all super serious and grim and gritty. And my read of it is like Frank Miller is a huge nerd. <laughs> like, and I mean that in the best way possible. Like this is a guy who loves comics and you can tell by reading the work that this, this is like, um, 
this is he's not he's not deconstructing comics because he hates comics or anything he's finding his own entryway into it but there's nothing but complete admiration for the medium for the characters for the settings and everything else within it as different stylistically as it may be so again it, it, like folks get really thrown off on the aesthetics and everything or um or, or kind of miss the um the intent there um but you know i think if you um if you look at these folks that still continue to produce comics today right frank miller's still making comic books the dude's like um I'm gonna conservatively guess a millionaire, whatever. It doesn't matter, but uh, he's uh, he doesn't need to be making comics. And he still is. I would say probably the same for Rob Liefeld. He's cranking out comics left and right. He just did a GI Joe comic, which was like out of left field, and did some pretty cool stuff there. But again, these these folks have uh, made their bones, and uh, you know, there's a lot of people from their peer group from from the '80s or from the '90s who um, were hot in that moment that. You know, you don't really see artwork or comic production from them. Maybe they're in other avenues. Maybe they do other things. But um, that passion to keep creating comics is like pretty undeniable. And when you look at the works, as controversial as they may be from these big names, um, these people that made a big splash, um, I think if you take a look at it with a lifetime of reading comics in your blood, you're going to find that these things are are complete love letters to comic books and they're they're um borrowing and resurfacing and remixing and refocusing all these different elements it's like the way a filmmaker you know will will take a shot from scorsese and take a shot from kurosawa and do a wipe from this and whatever it's just like you're taking all those tools and techniques and, and tricks and putting them to work so um so yeah again i you know x-force number one um, uh, iconic kind of thing. Imagine being 10, you see somebody, uh, you know, with this thing, you've got the red um, kind of huge bullet things on the front here. The fact that it was like in a, in a, in a bag was pretty cool. Um, I believe Spider-Man number one had come out prior to this. And I remember before I moved, a kid in Massachusetts had gone in. He was like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. You should check it out. Um, but I couldn't find it for whatever reason. So then I had moved, and this was like a couple months later or a month or two later or something. And so I was like, oh, okay, this is my opportunity. But yeah, I mean, you're 10. This, this, uh, this grabs your attention. Um, you know, it came with, came with a card, which was pretty cool. The card market was like insanely hot at the time and remained so for, for quite a few years. Um, so yeah, it was just a pretty crazy time. It was a pretty crazy time to be 10 years old. So as I look back on it now, as I'm creating my own comics and, and putting my energy into stuff, um, I look back on July 3rd, 1991 as a pretty special day. I think that's when a, an element of my pop culture soul was really forged. Um, again, you, you had the, the Terminator 2 experience followed by the X-Force number one experience followed by suddenly I was a subscriber at a comic book store. Um, I got an allowance of five bucks a week for taking care of the family dog and doing their chores. And so I like did, you know, it was like a beautiful mind level <laughs> calculations. This how can I spend every cent of this on comics? Um, you know, and, and I got to know all the different price points like, oh, OK, this is a dollar seventy five book. So if I really want to subscribe to Moon Knight, um, it better be worth it because, you know, that's like that's, a, that's another 50 cents or something compared to uh, these other books that I'm getting. Uh, so like 
pretty early on, you know, that that's the kind of life I was living. I was steeped in it. I know that I subscribed to X-Force, X-Men, Amazing Spider-Man. Um, so I was pretty much like a Marvel zombie at that point, but that would quickly change. And again, that was just getting my foot into the comic book store. All of a sudden you're, you're looking at the rack and it's like, you know, DC's titles start jumping out to me and everything else. This is so emblematic of the 90s as well. This shop, comics, etc. They had an option for subscribers. And again, it's like tailor made for me. Um, and this is like so 90s. I, I remember it was like every number one, um, every special cover, like a foil cover, a die cut cover, and um, every like one shot or something, or every team up one shot or whatever. It was like the ultimate 90s bundle uh, that you could get. And I totally did. So through that, I would get all kinds of crazy stuff, um, and, and random things thrown into my box. So it was like um, the Fantastic Four when they tried to make them cool and they like, like Thing had like a scar and a helmet and Sue Storm had like this bikini outfit and they like did holographic die cut covers. I had a few of those issues. Um, this whole like wave of like nineties heroes, like dark Hawk. I was super into dark Hawk because I got the first issue and, and kept going from there is kind of like, I was like, this is my Spider-Man, you know, dark, dark Hawk. Um, awesome name yet to be topped. Um, perhaps lady dark. Uh, I didn't even realize that connection feels just now, but this is how this stuff seeps into your blood and your DNA. Um, Again, an entire universe of comic reading uh, for me. I mean, it, for me, X-Force number one represents this very important jump for me from the newsstand uh, as my primary source to now I had a comic book store as home base. And from that shop, um, I had my foundational things that I was getting. And then I was also still doing the stuff going to flea markets and yard sales and, and hitting up the local grocery store and whatever. Uh, again, because this was the 90s, when I say the local grocery store, this is no joke, especially in Florida. You go to Albertsons and there was like a, a bigger selection than some comic stores in there. They had massive, massive, massive. It was like a Walden book set up inside of the grocery store. They had like uh, racks and racks of paperback books, magazines, everything else. And they had this entire like end cap section with like every comic you could want on there. So if something was super hot and would sell out of the comic book store, I would like quickly make it to the grocery store or something and try to snag copies there. And again, it's like I'm, I'm 10, 11 years old and I'm keyed into um, the stories of the comics, you know, just reading them, the, uh, the artwork, following the talent, following the market trends and all that stuff it was just like i was in the deep end head first like i didn't even look back and that's the way it's kind of been ever since there's been ebbs and flows there's been different avenues i've i've gone down different things i was like super into the whole vertigo thing throughout the 90s again as i hit sort of my teenage years like what more do you want it's like you discover um you know music and um and uh and sandman and the invisibles and all this stuff and um, you know, all, all at once. So it's like this thing that you grow with, but yeah, for, for 10 year old me, X-Force number one on that day was a pretty special moment, something I've never forgotten. I've, um, I think I've shared it, the, uh, the condensed version of this a few times on online as well, but yeah, what a, what a fun experience. And again, as I look back on the work, um, I think, uh, Rob Liefeld created something super cool and, and um, interesting with X-Force and, and, you know, it was really felt like this lightning moment to take new mutants and transform them into X-Force. It was like kind of unprecedented and exciting. Um, and then what happened after this, right? The having this be your kind of like entry portal into the, into the like 
comics are part of my life now thing um you know you look at what happens over the next few years in the future here with the image exodus and explosion and all the things that are created there you know todd mcfarland creating spawn rob Liefeld creating an entire universe of stuff with young blood um brigade uh, supreme all of that stuff all the ups and downs that have happened uh, since then but um it's, it was a pretty exciting and amazing time to be a young person reading comics it's something that um you know definitely made an imprint on me, inspires me to this day. Um, so how, how does it affect my creative process? Something like X-Force number one. Well, I'm not really making books like this necessarily in terms of like, this is a major production for a, a major publisher. You know, the whole mutant thing is like the, for me, that's like the major leagues of superhero comics and stuff. Obviously that's not something I've been doing, but how, how does it impact me as well? um it's the energy level it's the passion um i look at something like this and i think uh don't hold back swing for the fences i think this idea of like reinvention taking things and repurposing them is super cool so um not so much any of the work i've done yet but in a lot of the um like the pitch ideas and things i have there's an element of that like how can you take something and sort of reshape it recontextualize it um in, in a pretty cool way um and i think the main thing is just like not being afraid to channel the things that you yourself have truly loved and that has informed um you know my projects like crisis vector and most certainly lady dark uh, we're bringing a lot of that energy to it and again it's not a parody it's not a um it's not a uh, uh it's not like a surface surface level thing of like aesthetics or whatever like what, what i'm trying to do with lady dark and, and really the entire team is is rowing in this direction um it's like uh we we're really trying to um, carve out that kind of new universe energy in, in space, you know, in the same way that that was done here. So, um, you know, it, it, we're not afraid to like um, really stand these characters up. And I, I think a lot of times you see with um, newly created characters, you can almost sense within the pages, this sort of insecurity or uh, kind of blatant, this is trying to be this type of thing. Whereas, um, we're, we're just following our energy and, and uh, going in this strong direction um, with Laura Lennox and Lady Dark that she's going to be a, a totally unique um, and awesome character that's going to stand on this pedestal alongside all these crates, right alongside um, Spawn and Youngblood and Savage Dragon, all of that. So we're, we're swinging for the fences. And again, that inspiration comes from um, the sort of white hot energy that happened uh, that summer in 1991 with uh with x-force so again you know um every every comic is somebody's first every game is somebody's first every movie is somebody's first i'm not big on this whole gatekeeping thing where it's like uh you know especially in the realm of comic books like my god there's uh so many things going on in the world that um to me it's just silly that the folks would be snarky or derisive of of uh someone's talent or someone's output i mean uh to me it it i guess i just don't have those walls i i don't have something that i say x-force lives here and sandman lives there um you know to me i think there's there's probably so much more in common between all comics and comic creators and there are differences and um and and something like um, X-Force number one can be looked at as the epitome of bad 90s comics, but again, for me personally, it's just that doesn't add up. It doesn't really jive, and uh, I just find the 
um, the energy and the excitement to still be present this day. It's a fun thing to revisit. You just see how they really started with a bang and um, set up a great deal of intrigue and really just carved out this new section of a pretty established universe. You know, I think it would have been a lot easier for um, for Leifeld or anybody else to, um, uh, you know, just kind of do a paint by the numbers sort of X-Men thing. Like, like did Rob Leifeld have to uh, create all these new characters, you know what I mean? Did he have to create Cable? Did he have to create Deadpool, you know, to get his page rate from Marvel and do his thing? Did he have to like empty out all, did he have to take new mutants and radically transform it, introduce an entire new cast of character, Domino, Gideon, everything else? Um, you know, he, no, the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is no. Like, and you know, there's entire generation of artists who, um, you know, who, who kind of, uh, cranked out the pages and that's it. There, there was not a lot of uh, creativity happening there in terms of uh, net new characters or experiences or anything else. And that's fine. You've got your sort of like journeyman approach or whatever, and that's totally fine. But, you know, there's, uh, to me, you can't discount that. You know, there's something enormous to be said about um, going from zero to one is the hardest thing in the world right? Going from blank page to something existing, going from status quo to something new. You can criticize the imperfections that happen along with that process, but my God, you have to, uh, you have to tip your hat at the very least for the, uh, uh, the gall, you know, to, to dare to be creative, uh, to dare to create something new is an act of bravery. You know, it's, it, it's, uh, again, and, and, um, it's something that, uh, you know, I would say probably Marvel ended up on the winning end of that equation whenever they paid uh, young uh, Rob Liefeld back in the day. I mean, Cable's still an entrenched part of the mutant universe all these years later, not to mention a little character called Deadpool that I think has had some mild to moderate success. And again, this is like, um, you know, uh, uh, there was no, um, there was no special burden on Rob Liefeld to do that sort of creative work as part of his gig as penciler of the new mutants. You know what I mean? He could have just kind of followed the, the standard drum there, but obviously there was a strong urge to create something uh, radically different, new and exciting. And you, you gotta love that, right? I love that. Um, and I see that sort of carving out something new right alongside, you know, if you look at Grant Morrison's Invisibles and what he did with that comic over its its run, I feel like every issue, every arc was um, establishing something new through that. And, you know, you can look at those as like very different kinds of comics or very different type of experience for the reader or whatever. But to me, it's definitely part of the same fabric. And, um, and I respect both equally and everything that falls in between. So, you know, let me know what you think. I know, uh, I know Rob Liefeld's art, um, for some reason divisive again, I think a lot of that's just played up. A lot of it is coming from folks who perhaps haven't really sat down and read the stuff and given it an honest shot. And like, look, if you have read it and you're like, yeah, this is, this is not my thing, then so be it, I get that. But um, for me, I was at the right place, the right time. Uh, X-Force number one grabbed me, got me into comic stores, and here I am. Uh, I've been, kind of been there ever since, uh, and now I'm making my own stuff. So um, that's it for this episode of Comic Book Inspirations. Um, let me know what you think in the comments below. Is X-Force uh, something that hit you at the right time? Um, 
you know, what was the book for you that really kind of converted you from maybe a casual reader to a life, lifelong reader? Uh, what are some of the things that you, you've seen out there that, um, you know, over the years that have, you've really latched onto and have, has kept you in, engaged in this uh, comic book thing? Let me know and um, look forward to hearing to you uh, from you uh, in the comments on Twitter at Radvon. And um, yeah, one last closing thing here, Lady Dark, uh, again, we're Today we switch over, I think, to day three uh, left of the campaign. So it just continues to be stronger and stronger. You know, the, I've been told that the normal Kickstarter thing is like a, it's like a bell-shaped thing. You get, you get kind of a strong start and then a dip, and then like maybe you close out at the end. Ours has been this. I don't know. Beginner's luck. Uh, whatever you want to call it, but we've just like everything I've been reading and studying about the art and science of crowdsourcing. Uh, Lady Dark has um, thankfully just been, it's not been applicable to Lady Dark, which is great. So I think, again, you talk about the right time and the right place. Um, I don't know. I'm just enormously grateful that uh, things are looking really solid and, and being able to bring that story out because uh, I want to do it. And again, it's like one of these things that um, it just won't leave me alone. And uh, and uh, I felt like I had to do it. So it's, um, it's really great that this has worked out uh, the way it has. So stay tuned. Um, next couple of videos will be sharing the conclusion of the campaign. And uh, I'll definitely be doing some special shout outs to all the folks who have uh, helped amplify the efforts for Lady Dark. Really appreciate that. And, um, and yeah, more to come on that soon. So take care. We'll talk soon. Bye.